0: Welcome to the HCC Podcast. Our mission is to nurture love for God, love for self, and love for others as the highest goal of humanity. May the following message nurture that love in your life. And remember, you're always welcome at HCC. It's a perfect church for less than perfect people. Peace. Last week we spoke a bit about the new dark age that I and many Christian futurists believe are is really uh, pervading our Western culture. We talked about how that we've entered into this new dark age that the world seems to have embraced in many ways. And we talked about the need of the church to sustain itself in a time like this. One of the quotes that I shared with you was this one from Pope Benedict in 2012, it said that the spiritual crisis overtaking the West is the most serious since the fall of the Roman Empire near the end of the 5th century. The light of Christianity is flickering out all over the West, not the light of Catholicism, the light of of Christianity and last week we supported this with a number of other comments re- regarding other c- good Christian thinkers, solid Christian thinkers. There are there are people alive today who may live to see the effective death of Christianity within our civilization. And part of the problem that we talked about last week having is that the church in the West has moved into a consumeristic kind of disposition away from a covenantal disposition and we are looking for what church has for us rather than what we have for church. And so in doing that, we struggle with colluding with the dark age of this world that we're we're moving into And we are losing sight of the light of the world shining through us as we attempt to get everything we can and can everything we get from the world as consumers. And as is our custom, we want to pray for like-minded churches in our area who are interested in stepping up and standing out rather than stepping back and sitting down. So, would you please join with me and pray for churches like Lighthouse, churches like Severn Run, churches like Arundel Christian, churches like Bay Area, churches like Grace Point, that God would inspire and maintain a sense of holy fire within all of them to want to although it may seem we are shrinking, we are actually cloistering, and God is establishing a remnant, even within Anne Arundel County, to, to survive and thrive through this time of a new dark age, waiting for that day when the Lord brings the flow of His Spirit back into this culture. It is ebbed right now. We're at low tide spiritually, but we're looking for the Lord to sustain us as a remnant as he brings us back, ultimately bringing the spirit in revival back. I want you to join with me in praying that prayer right now as we've discussed in many times past. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, right now, we are asking the power of your presence to swell up within us to give us courage to confront the consumerism in us and convert it to a covenantal style of living where it's not about us, it's about you, where we decrease and you increase, where it's about we much greater than me. So, Father, right now, for all the churches in our area and this church, Lord, I pray you would continue to strengthen the pastors and strengthen the congregation and build unity and harmony and a sense of remnant feeling as we confront all of the darkness of our current age. And in the name of Jesus, would you preserve us through this time when you once again will send your spirit, shine your light brightly, flow in revival again in our culture In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen, amen. I want to speak to our online community, our online family for a moment, because every once in a while I do this kind of online public service announcement, and that is is that if you want to strengthen that sure way of Jesus in you, you're going to need to get back to in-person worship ASAP i get the health issues and all those things that are troublesome for us but it is a danger to linger and potentially languish in cyberspace and not in person when i watch our services online confession your pastor's confessing right now when i watch our services online when i'm out of town i don't stand up when you all stand up i sometimes don't sing everybody come on clap clap i'm not standing up in my family room or in some hotel room in cloud i feel the same kind of sedentary passive kind of worship that you may feel online i'm just challenging you to get back to in-person active worship where peer pressure is a good thing related to worship and all of you in the sanctuary know exactly what i'm talking about listen to this passage of scripture do not let let is a choice it's volition, it's will, do not let gathering as Christian as Christ's body fade from your lives. Instead, gather in each other's company to encourage one another and spur. That means engage people, challenge them, pray for them, and encourage them to move forward in their faith and in good deeds this is exactly what the reality of being in person really does for us the gathered church is good for you so get back to in-person worship as soon as possible now we are preparing our hearts to hear god's word in hebrews four twelve, it tells us that the word of god is alive and it is powerful it is actually alive if you're not sure what that means go home and stick a fork in an electrical socket i I didn't mean that it's being recorded stream i didn't mean it but but that's the kind of jolt that god's word is to us so let's posture our souls to engage the powerful and living words of god today so would you please stand with me When you stand, I want to encourage you to put your hands out in front of you and open up your hands. Blessed is he who gives and he who takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Say this with me as your deepest desire today. God, I choose to slow my breath and relinquish my worries. I open my hands to pray. Come, Holy Spirit, to my mind. I receive your comfort. Come, Holy Spirit, to my heart. I receive your peace. Come, Holy Spirit, to my soul. I receive the Father's love for me. I am here to receive what you have for me today. Now, before you're seated, you listen carefully to me. These are not my words. These are God's words for you. Listen, the Lord who loves you says this, I am he, I am he who will sustain you, I have made you, and I will carry you. I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. The Lord loves you. This is the word of the Lord for you. God bless you, you can be seated. As you know, our annual theme, as we've been talking about for the last couple weeks, or so about the third week into me talking about our annual theme of contentment. The secret of contentment. What I mean by that, of course, is that it's a secret for most people because most folks don't know how to live a life of contentment. And Christians who live the contented life, not the complacent, not the cavalier but the contented life we who live the contented life are a contrast people you are weird when you live a contented life when you are in when you live independent as we've discussed of external circumstances the reality is is that most of the world is incredibly dependent on external circumstances Whatever the stock market's doing, whatever the news media is selling, whatever they're getting from Amazon on time or not, they're up and down and up and down on the yo-yo of consumerism and the culture of this world. But Christians are called to know the secret, and the secret is to live a life of contentment. Paul says, with whatever I have our annual memory verse as you know is philippians 4 b through 13 for i have learned hey, read this with me you're memorizing it right for i have learned to be content with whatever i have i know what it is to be in need and i know what it is to have plenty i have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty Or in want, I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. You want to know something to remember this year, to memorize this year? When you're hangry, quote this verse. Get an attitude check when you're hangry. So we recognize this is our annual memory verse. And of course our responsive mantra, you're going to help me here, please don't disappoint your pastor. We've had 2 weeks of practice. Now we're in the 3rd. Pastor says, "What's the secret?" Congregation says, "Wow! I am so thankful that you did. Thank you. Yes, contentment is Christ." Now the pastor says, "Live the secret." No doubt about that. The secret of contentment. I have something just special that I want to share with you before we get into the meat of the sermon today. It's a song, and I want Chris and Emily to come out and join me here. And as we in, engage in this song, remember uh, back at Thanksgiving, we talked about how important it is in order to get something deep, massage deep into our mind. We talked about how the ancient church used psalms in order to rehearse the psalms so that people would get them stuck in their soul. Well, this is a song that i want to get stuck in your soul have you ever had a song stuck in your head well you know what that's like i had a person in the chancel room just a few moments ago say i can't get this song out of my head and i said don't worry give it a minute i'm going to give you a new song to get stuck in your head so the devil the enemy enters into our lives as we prefer his lies over the truth of the Lord. When you allow the lies of the enemy and the enemy, the devil, is a liar. And we'll talk about that in a few moments. But what I want you to recognize right now that part of, the, of the, your responsibility in this Christian living to be content, you must not let the enemy in. And so as we share this song with you, I want to encourage you to allow the chorus of it to get stuck in your head so that you will not let the enemy in. forgivable sin i can't tell you how many people i've talked to over my 35 years of ministry experience who have come to me and said i'm so concerned that i've committed the the unpardonable sin that i've blasphemed the holy spirit in some form or fashion and you're worried about that and you're believing those lies and you're walking around insecure in your faith because you believe that you're not really saved as a christian You may not have sensed that you committed the unpardonable sin, but you really wonder whether or not God has truly accepted you or whether you're really measuring up, and this gets back to that performance-based Christianity that we've talked about so often. And then you can't trust anyone. You just grew up in a way that you've postured yourself to the world as you can't trust anyone and you're not even sure you can trust God. So you live with an enduring suspicion that any moment now somebody will betray you, the other shoe will drop. You just live with that sense of, and, it, and it, it harms you. It keeps you from moving in freedom and living and loving in freedom. Everyone must like you to have value. I've told you many times before I'm an approval junkie, so thank you for clapping after that song, that's the only reason I really did it, was to help myself feel better about myself. Not really, but I mean, I've gotten over that. I've, I've gone to my 12-step program. I've gone to lots of counseling. I've finally gotten through a broken through of my need for approval. And now I don't really need anyone to like me except God. And there is a freedom in that to love people whether they like me or not. finally. Breaking through to that point. What are the lies that we believe? Casting out the lies, let's talk about this from the scriptural standpoint. In Mark chapter 1, verse 21, Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue. That's the sanctuary, that's the church, you know, as we interpret it for us. And began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Suddenly, a man in the synagogue, in the sanctuary, in the church, who was possessed by an evil spirit, cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him, Be quiet, come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. Listen carefully to these words. Synagogue. The Bible tells us that you, your body, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. When you are saved, when you become a Christian and invite Jesus into your life, he is about the business of cleansing your temple of all of the idol worship that you've been engaged in, whatever that may be. And as he's come in to cleanse the temple, he's wanting to set himself up as the voice of authority in your life. And when we live as the temple of God, the sanctuary of God, I don't know about you, but I know that there are often evil spirits, evil voices, negative voices, contrary to Christ voices, anti-Christ speech that comes up in my life wanting to to erode my listening to jesus and for me to give attention to those evil voices that want to destroy me but when i defer to jesus when i allow jesus to be the primary voice in my life and i allow him space he steps up calls them out to be quiet what lies are you believing what voices are in your temple that are rising up and challenging you? And now there's a competitor. It's the voice of Jesus. And as you allow Jesus a greater and greater voice in your life, more and more of those contrary negative voices will come up to challenge Jesus. The question is whether or not you will open yourself, whether you will give Jesus the primary voice in your life or continue believing the lies. You may be in need of an exorcism today, an exorcism of a voice of the past that's still haunting you and still keeping you back and still keeping you down. Jesus wants you to access his voice and tell it to be quiet and come out of you. Today, that could be your miracle. Impediments to contentment, believing lies, also passive faith. What do we mean by passive faith? A sense of I gotta get lucky with my faith. I hope, I hope some TV preacher will come on and really inspire me. Come on, Joel Osteen. Or come on, Andy Stanley or somebody. Give me something that's gonna inspire me. And we're waiting to get lucky. I'm gonna go to the, you know, you know how people would say, I'm gonna go to the bar and see if I can get lucky. You know, maybe in your non-Christian days. Hopefully you're not saying that now. But I gotta tell you, Many people just come to church hoping to get lucky. Get lucky with faith. Meaning maybe the preacher will be on this week. Finally, the preacher will be on. They'll sing a song that I like. Somehow, way, they'll do something at church that'll help me. I'm just going to pull the arm and let the, let the, let the wheel spin. See what comes up for me. We have a getting lucky sense of passive faith. We leave faith to the professionals. Faith is really not something that you, as the congregant, really engages in, it's something you let me engage in. Because the church pays me to do that, right? I'm the paid professional, I'm the one who does faith. You simply white knuckle it through the week and then come back and watch me express faith. When you leave faith to me and you don't think it's yours, you don't think you own your faith, you think somehow I'm supposed to own your faith and I'm the professional, you've you've got a completely inappropriate understanding of faith. You've got a passive faith not an act of faith. Confusing faith with feeling. I don't feel good, so something must be wrong with my faith. The ancient church was very clear about this. They lived in many ways independent of circumstances because when things are going our way, we feel great. When things are not going our way, we feel terrible. And somehow if we feel terrible, we think there's something wrong with our faith when in fact God may, and may be in fact using that And often is, in the deepest, darkest valleys, using it to strengthen your faith. And in doing so, what St. John of the Cross would often say is, darkness, I shared this with you last week, darkness is when the Spirit of God is doing the most in your life. So when you feel bad, recognize that's when God's Spirit wants to work the deepest and the strongest. John of the cross would always say, in darkness, yet secure. In darkness, yet secure. That's recognizing that I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. This is what living with a good shepherd as your shepherd means. Passive faith, impediments to contentment, believing lies, passive faith, and detachments. This is going to be the most difficult for you to grasp regarding This idea of impediments to contentment. Attachments. Because the things that I talk about, you're going to say, wait a second, those are great things. Those are wonderful things. I can't believe you think that that's an attachment. I I resent that. And I'm not saying they're bad things. I'm just saying that in order of prioritizing our loves, they may be inappropriately ranked in our sense of attachment. So, What is an attachment? Attachment is an emotional state of clinging. Get that vision? Clinging. Caused by the belief that without some particular thing or person, you cannot be content. Without circumstances going your way, without getting that thing you want so badly, without attaining that person or not losing that person in your life, is so critically important to you that is an attachment well what are attachments maybe a job promotion you're saying if i get that job promotion i'll be really really happy i'll finally be content you're clinging to the idea of that promotion that you so desperately want attachment getting married is married a bad thing? Don't, you that are married, don't say anything. Getting married, getting, okay. Getting married is often an attachment. It's something that perhaps a single person might have high valued in their life, and somehow, some way, they're not really measuring up because they're not married. Maybe folks who have been divorced are thinking about this, and marriage is an attachment. I'm a failure because my marriage failed, and my divorce came through, and I'm a failure because of a marriage-related issue in your past or in your current situation. Attachments, having children. If I don't have a child, I'm not a complete human being. I can't be happy, I can't be content because there's this missing piece. That's an attachment, a clinging to a thing or a person. Being liked or approved. We often fall deep into a sense of sadness or discomfort or a sense of uh, uh, really just being totally bummed out when people don't like us and we work to please maybe you're a pleaser because you've got to be liked by everyone pastors struggle with this tremendously Often, pastors will, will look for that affirmation. They want to be liked by everyone. When some, you know, 300 people can be in the congregation and, and one person come up and say, you know, I really just didn't appreciate that part of your message. I thought you really misinterpreted that scripture. And that pastor will go home and think they have a complete failure because one person didn't like them. They gotta be liked by everybody. They gotta feel approved. But actually, in the New Testament, being a pastor means that you're unliked and disapproved by the majority but we live in this day and age. Succeeding. Are you succeeding in life? When you go back to your high school reunion, do you feel confident? You're happy to go back and talk about your successes. You're very happy to show up in that room because you know that people are gonna go, wow, hey, he's here, did you know? She did this, she did that, she achieved that. Successes all of these things can be attachments things that we cling to and things that we don't want to lose so attachments are always having two parts to an attachment one is positive and one is negative the positive part is the excitement or thrill that you've experienced when you get what you're attached to the promotion comes through you walk in the door honey I got the promotion Woohoo! Everybody shouts and celebrates and all that. It's wonderful. You call everybody you know. You talk about your promotion. It's the thrill of getting what you were looking for. You walk down the aisle. You get married. Yes! Got it. It happened. I'm done. Yes, finally, I can be content. You move through, you're approved, you're liked, you're riding this wave. They like me, they like me, They oh, they don't like me, they don't work hard, oh, they like me again, they like me again. Oh, yeah, you're just the positive part, the excitement or thrill that you experience when you get what you are attached to. The negative part, the sense of threat tension and or fear of not getting or losing the attachment once you get the promotion once you get the marriage once you get the child all of a sudden fear and anxiety set in for all of those things because those things are so incredibly important you've got to retain them you've got to hold on to them so there's the positive thrill and the negative sense of loathing and fear that we might lose this thing we are so attached to this these are impediments to contentment let's look at jesus and attachment matthew 19 21 if you want to be perfect go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then come and follow me Verse 23, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. And we often interpret that as, that means money. If if you've got a big fat bankroll and you're loaded, you probably won't make it to heaven. Well, that of course is not true. What is true is, is that'll be really really hard for you to have contentment to really enter into the kingdom of god fully and freely many of us are, are we've got our we got a little bit into the kingdom but we are loaded down with such a huge giant backpack full of attachments that we've only barely made it into the kingdom of god but we're holding on to all that stuff we got a wagon of attachment behind us that we're not willing to give up and we're holding on to and we've got to have and Jesus is saying, you could actually enter into the fullness of contentment in my kingdom if you'll let that go and give all that up. Luke 14, so you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Luke 5, 11, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Matthew 10, 37, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. Go to verse 38. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, You will find it. Jesus and attachment. The key to contentment is ordering your loves. You are what you love. This question for us today in regards to impediments to contentment is, Lord, what am I clinging to? Now the question is that I'm sure you have, like many people have said to me before, yeah, Steve, but I'm not going to tell my father I don't love him. I'm not going to tell my mother, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to go home and put my house on the market. Where am I going to live? You've, you've just missed the point. Very, very few people in Scripture ever actually left their physical possessions or their actual family. The issue is not giving up your phone or giving up you know your house or your cars and taking public transportation for the sake of the Lord. I'm giving it up. The issue is never allowing it, never loving it, more than loving Him. Never loving it more than loving Him. This is the key of recognizing contentment. That you can give up everything and retain everything as long as you've got it in the right order. As long as that is never replacing your love for God. Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will, and all these things will be added to you. As you do this, as you prioritize God's kingdom to be first in your life, you will order all your loves. It simply means that once you get this order correct, contentment will be yours because you are your eyes are fixed on Jesus, and everything else is falling into place behind you. As long as you're trying to put the caboose in front of the engine, you will never make much progress. But once you get the caboose, excuse me, the engine in front of everything else, then finally the, the caboose will find its place back there somewhere because you're focused on his kingdom. Matthew 22, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your body. This is God's Matter of priority. You rank your love for God beyond anything and everything and contentment will begin to set in. When you don't, when you somehow believe that all of these attachments, all of these things that are so very critical to you that preoccupy your time and your mind and your energy and you're constantly thinking about it and engaging, you spend an emotional energy on all this stuff. Because you're so fearful of losing it or you're so fearful of not gaining it and you live your life every day pursuing the things of the world, you can gain the whole world and lose your own soul. Jesus is saying that the only way to contentment, the secret of contentment that Paul found at being content with whatever he had, whether it was almost nothing or with everything, he was still content. That means that his loves were ordered. Impediments to contentment, believing lies, passive faith, and attachment. I want to invite Chris and Emily to come back. We're going to do that song one more time. And we're going to do it one more time because I'm not quite sure it's sunk in. So I'm asking you right before we engage in spiritual response time, we're going to share that song with you one more time, and I'm asking you to sing this time. We did it once, but you know the chorus now. Don't let the enemy in. Say it with me. Don't let the enemy in. Don't let the enemy in.
1: A trying to hurt someone you love you fight him with your hands or shoot him with a gun and if you saw a robber trying to break into your home you'd hit him on the head with a hammer or your phone we take care of our bodies we take care of our things but what about these hearts you're
2: giving to the king don't, don't don't let the enemy in don't don't let the enemy in Don't don't let the enemy in
1: If you heard a fox telling you a lie you would not believe cuz you know that he was sly And if you saw a serpent Biting at your heels, you crush him with your foot, he's only come to steal. We take care of our bodies, we take care of our
2: things, but what about these hearts we've given to the King? Don't, don't, don't let the enemy in, don't, don't let the enemy in, don't, don't let the enemy in. don't 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 let the enemy in don't don't let the enemy in don't don't let the enemy end.
1: you met a man who had a kingdom and a treasure he gave it all to you just for your good for your pleasure in it there was peace and joy and freedom from your strife wouldn't you receive it and guard it with your life you know this really happened you've been given every blessing so don't believe the devil's lies no matter what he's
2: dressed in I won't let the enemy in. I won't. I won't let the enemy in. I won't. I won't let the enemy in. Oh, one more time. No, I won't. I won't. I won't let the enemy in. I won't. I won't let the enemy in. I won't. I won't let the enemy in. Tell